worship is the treasuring and the valuing of God, firstly because of who he is, but then for what he has done for us, but then what he continues to do for us. Christians should worship God because of his remarkable grace and his unmerited favour toward those of us who he has chosen to redeem through Jesus' incredible sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection to new life. The scholar A.W. Pink, on writing about worship, says this, It is a redeemed heart, occupied with God, expressing itself in adoration and in thanksgiving. Now, there are many different ways in which we can express our worship and how that worship can be outworked. As an example, we did, we've just done this for the last half hour or so. One expression is through our song worship, using our voices and song to express uh, adoration, love, and, and that treasure and value that we place on God. And another prominent and important expression of worship, of our worship to God, is at the centre of this passage today. And that is prayer. Prayer. But before we begin, it's probably worth just um, mentioning a couple of things uh, that I, I just felt it was important to reference uh, before we, we, we head on. Firstly, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, this isn't the first time in the Gospels that Jesus teaches a similar prayer. In Matthew's Gospel, we have a similar but a longer version of this prayer. Um, but between Matthew and Luke, there are some differences, and the biggest being to whom Jesus is teaching this prayer. Back in Matthew... He's teaching it to uh, a, a multitude of people uh, during the, the, the famous Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke, he's primarily speaking here and privately with his disciples. Now, there has been much debate uh, over the, uh, the how best to understand this correlation between the two. But uh, we just don't have time today to, to start delving into those debates. Maybe that's a bit of homework for you guys to go away and have uh, and explore into. I would simply suggest to you um, that what I, I believe is highly likely that Jesus is teaching the same prayer but in different circumstances. We've seen this before. Uh, we, we, we looked at this when we were looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. There were similarities, but it was at a different time within his journey. In Matthew, this is, when he was preaching in the Sermon on the, on the Plain, he, sorry, Sermon on the Mount, this was way before his final journey to Jerusalem. But now, I mean, we're already on, on our journey to Jerusalem, aren't we? So it's a different time frames. And you see this throughout Jesus' ministry and how it's referenced within um, uh, the Gospels that we see similarities of things, and it's not that there is a, a difference in them, it's that Jesus would, as we would all do, teach a truth, but we might teach it different in, differently in different circumstances, but the, still the truth is, is there.
But today, um, I just want to solely focus upon Luke's account of Jesus' teaching, his prayer. And the second thing, uh, many over the centuries have referenced this and referred to this. If you have your, your, uh, an ESV Bible, it speaks of it, it, the title of this is the Lord's Prayer. I would suggest to you that's not necessarily the best uh, title for this prayer itself. I would suggest that a better title would be the Disciples' Prayer because it catches better the heart uh, of, of what Jesus is doing here. And that is why, as you can tell, I've chosen to call this, uh, uh, this study today the Disciples' Prayer. But if you want to call it the Lord's Prayer, that's fine. It's entirely up to you. There's no right or wrong necessarily, but I would just prefer to reference it as the Disciples' Prayer. So let's have a look at this then. You've got your Bibles in front of you. Let's read the very first verse. Uh, now Jesus, we're told he is praying in a certain place. Now prayer was important to Jesus and a fundamental aspect of his life and his ministry. We see throughout his journey that he prayed with others. If you cast your mind back to the, to the, the, uh, uh, the, the transfiguration, does he not invite Peter, James and John up to the mountain with him? And what does he invite him up to do before it all goes crazy? He invites them up to pray. Yeah? To pray. So there was this, this uh, praying with others going on here. If you remember also when Jesus was sitting once with his disciples and the disciples were trying to stop the children sort of coming to him, what does he say? Let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. And he prays for them. And just like in the opening of our passage today, he often went and prayed by himself. Sometimes to a desolate place, sometimes up on a mountain. Uh, in this case, it was, wasn't that far from where the disciples were. But he went and he spent time with God the Father in prayer. It's clear from this verse that Jesus was close enough that the disciples were able to watch him pray because as soon as he had finished, we read uh, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, this isn't a shock. Uh, the, 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 the fundamental part of a rabbi's responsibility was to teach and the responsibility of the student was to learn, take on board and apply what the rabbi was teaching them. We don't know which of Jesus' disciples asked this question. It doesn't tell us. Maybe it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, um, who was once, according to Mark's account, a, a, a member or, or one of John the Baptist's disciples, um, before he, <coughs> excuse me, um, was called by Jesus to come and follow, we can't be sure. And unfortunately, we don't have any indication in the Gospels of what these prayers are or John's prayers that it refers to here. Uh, but in some respects, it's irrespective. We don't need to know what these prayers are. And the reason we don't need to know 
is because in this moment, this disciple is now asking Jesus to teach them to pray. Asking Jesus to teach them to pray. And it's here that we begin to learn the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus' disciples, of which we are a continuation. We are a continuation of this, and we keep saying this, don't we, as those who have gone before us and those who will carry on after us when we've already gone to glory, unless Jesus comes back in that time. Jesus begins with a statement that I, I would suggest that we would be wise to consider. Let's just look carefully. You easily miss this. This is one of those, remember one of those messages that I did, don't skip over the bridge. This could easily be one of those moments where we could skip over it to get to the, to the actual prayer and we miss an important truth that Jesus is teaching. So this is a don't skip over the bridge moment. We read, and he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, when you pray, when you pray. He didn't say, if you feel like it, then you can pray. He didn't say, if you'd like to pray, then by all means do so. He said, when you pray. So here in the simple statement by Jesus, we see that at least the Jesus in this moment, there is an expectation on the disciples and subsequently us today that prayer is expected of us. Right? It was modelled by Jesus. He expected his disciples to do it and us. But we have to ask, if Jesus expects the disciples to pray, we first must have to ask, the, or we must ask the question, why, why is it so important? Why is it so important? Well, here's some suggestions I'm just going to throw out there. Firstly, it helps us to grow closer to God. Prayer helps us to grow closer to God. It helps us align ourselves with God's will for us within this life. It shows us that our life, and this is a big one, it shows us that our life is not about us. I said this before, I think this is one of the hardest things the world struggles with, but also Christians struggle with. Yeah? Our life is not our own. So it helps us to realise that life is not about us. But it also does help to give us strength and hope, does it not? Yeah. Prayer does help to give us strength and hope. It helps us uh, with wisdom, helps us uh, uh, with guidance, with peace and with comfort. And it also does help increase our faith. I love C.S. Lewis's statement about prayer. He says this, and, and I, I mean, I, I can just picture him. If, it, if he said this in public, I just picture the enthusiasm that he says this in. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I pray because 
the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Well, there's a truth. You could do a whole message just on those, those simple words, couldn't you? It doesn't, prayer doesn't change God. We're not trying to fold God into, you know, and manipulate him to do things that we want him to do in our prayer. Prayer changes us. But here's the thing. Many modern Christians, um, when I say modern Christians, I'm just talking about, you know, those in our lifetime, as I'm sure it has been in the past and it will be in the future, don't have the same enthusiasm as C.S. Lewis has about prayer. Some don't do it at all. Others, it's all they ever do. Yeah, the sacrificing other aspects of discipleship. Prayer is the only thing that's done. Some don't see it as relevant, reserved maybe for those who God has called to uh, into uh, uh, to, to become sort of prayer warriors, if you will. There's a there's a there's a, a Christianese, you know, title, isn't it, in churches? Prayer warriors, you know. Others find it boring and a chore, and many haven't even got a clue where to start with prayer. It might sound a shock, and some of those might sound very you know, out there, but actually, if you talk to Christians, a lot of this stuff comes up. But there's a wonderful truth to prayer, a truth that we can often forget. And... That truth is that prayer is a remarkable gift. It's a gift. A gift from God to us. And in essence, we should be grateful because the relationship and access to God is easier under this new covenant that we live in than those of the old covenants. I mean, the rules and the regulations that that those guys had to go through you know, the sacrifices, the rituals, and however good they were, they still struggled to try and get to that, that, that real intimate aspect of, of a life with God. But all that changed when Jesus died and rose from the grave, providing uh, for those, this wonderful opportunity for those who would, excuse me, call upon his name. And in doing so, we become heirs with Christ and adopted sons and daughters of God, which was physically represented on that day when Jesus died, when that heavy curtain in the the temple split from top to bottom, in, in doing so, instituting that new reality that mankind has a way into direct contact with God, but only because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's because of this, and by God's undeserved grace toward us, that we can come before God and we can pray directly to him without sacrifice and without ritual. I mean, just think, just take a moment to think about that. God, the God of the universe, 
okay? The God of the universe, the creator of all things, has gifted little old us, right? The ability to commune directly with him through prayer. I mean, just think about that. That blows my mind. So why is it that when we've been granting such a gift, do we struggle to do it? Do we struggle to use that incredible gift that we've been given? We sometimes see no value in it or see it really as an important aspect of our everyday life. So the disciples, sorry, the disciple has asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus says this, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Now there are two primary truths that I want us to grasp and take away with us today from this prayer that Jesus is teaching the disciples to say. The first is this, and that is to understand that Jesus isn't teaching them to pray the exact words of the prayer. He's not teaching them to say, you must say these exact words when you pray. What he's teaching them is the theme of the prayer. There's a big difference. If the exact words were the the important aspect of the prayer, then not only would we see the exact same wording in both Matthew and Luke's versions of this, But I'm sure God would have made it abundantly clear that he wanted all people for all time to follow this exact word. That's not to say that praying the exact words as we find them in scripture is wrong. But we have to understand that that is not what Jesus is teaching. Now if you are, I mean let's be honest, I I grew up with the Lord's Prayer, you know, as as I always refer to it as. I'm sure many of us here do, and many of us know it off by heart. And obviously, the the only important uh, way to say it is by the King James Version, with the thou's and the thy's. (laughs) Anything else apart from that is just not, it's not, you know, it's not religious enough. Um, (laughs) So, please don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with us saying it. We've said it here together, haven't we? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying it, but the point I'm trying to make is that's not what Jesus was teaching in this moment. He was teaching the theme that they are to follow. And we'll explore this in a moment. So what is this theme? Well, there are three primary themes in this prayer. Firstly, there's the address. The first theme is the address. To whom is the prayer being aimed at. That's the first theme. The second theme is made up of declarations, of which there are three in Luke's account. And the third theme are the requests. 
which again, sorry, there are two uh, declarations. There are three requests in Luke's account of this prayer. So let's have a quick look through some of these. So firstly, number one, this first theme, the address. He says, Father. Father, the very first words of the prayer. Father. The prayer opens to whom it is addressed. In this case, it is God the Father. Please, it's not Daddy. It's not Daddy. Personal rant now. It does frustrate me when I hear people say Daddy to prayer, uh, to God. All right? He ne- There's a re- we haven't got time to delve into this today, but there is a reason that God is referred to as Father. Okay, there is, there is a, there's, there's, there's other foundations behind that, which is why we refer to him as Father. Just, please, not Daddy. So, it, you know, this, 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 this essence of Father or Pater in the, in the Greek, or many of us would refer to as Abba in, in the Hebrew, the use of the Father, this word Father, not only honours God's sovereign authority over creation, but also shows um, this respectful intimacy that is now established between us and God. And the wonderful truth as well is that not anyone gets to call God the Father, Father. You know, that is, you, you, can, you can look through Scripture, that is something that is reserved for Jesus and for those who call Jesus Lord. Because it's those people that have given their life to Christ, those people that have been adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. So we have this uh, this address. uh, Then we move into these two... uh, declarations. The first is this, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy or sanctified. So at the outset of the prayer, we recognise the holiness and uniqueness of God the Father. Don't we read in 1 Samuel, uh, uh, there is, there is um, no other God like the Lord. There is no one holy like the Lord. God the Father is to be revered and praised above all else. So in this petition, this declaration, if you will, the disciples are to pray that the entire world will come to recognise the holy name of God as the one true God of all, the creator and sustainer and ruler of the universe. Does God not deserve that declaration? How often do we come before him with a list of prayer, a list of things we need? He deserves our praise. He deserves that declaration. He deserves that honour. The second declaration, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This petition has is twofold. First, the disciples are to pray for the kingdom of God to continue to be established on the earth. In that moment, as it is still today, we want to see God's kingdom. We won't see it in its entirety, 
but we will, we will see and do see elements of God's kingdom on the earth here, which we are part of. It's that realisation that as believers we can live in a world that's characterised by faith, by love and by hope. But the secondly, disciples, uh, sorry, believers are to pray that the promise of a new heaven and a new earth be fulfilled. That wonderful moment when the faithful will live with God in his kingdom eternally as members of a holy city in which there is no death, there is no crying, there is no pain, there is no hurt. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So we have who we're praying to. Well, Jesus is teaching, recognise, remember who you're praying to. Yeah, you are followers of mine, so you can approach God as Father. You can approach God as Father. But remember, you give him the honour and the praise that is due his name. So we declare those truths. We declare, hallowed be your name, and we declare thy kingdom come. I mean, I'm even slipping back into the uh, King James. Um, your kingdom come. But then we can approach him. Now we can approach God. Now we can approach and say, first, the first of the requests, as is written in this, this prayer Jesus is teaching, give us each day our daily bread. Not only does this request speak into the need for believers to have their physical needs met and recognise doesn't, he doesn't just say, just pray to God, uh, give us our, day, uh, our, our bread. He's very specific, isn't he? Give us our daily bread. You know, there, there, is, there is a consistency with our need to pray. There's a consistency with our need to come before God. And we know throughout scripture you know, there is this need on a, on a daily basis, sometimes an hourly basis, a constant prayer, as we've spoken about before. But this appeal also prays for spiritual sustenance in order to give believers the courage to go out into the world to spread his gospel message. Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. So again, there's a twofold there. We then come to our second request, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. It's a tough one, this one, isn't it? And it's just it's worth just mentioning we will be spending, I'm going to be spending some time on this subject at some point in the coming, coming months because I think it's important to do so. But within this, uh, in this moment, I think we have to just remember that there is real wisdom in what Jesus is teaching them to pray on this second request. You see, while anyone can ask to receive forgiveness, um, Reflecting on the way we forgive others can lead us to learn patience and grace 
that can be transformative in our own lives. Now, I recognise that's not easy. I know that's hard. But us learning to let go and forgive those who have done us wrong can actually um, help to grow us on our journey of discipleship and our journey of becoming Christ-like. But when forgiving someone proves especially difficult, the Bible teaches that a good time to start that journey of forgiveness is during prayer when the believer's minds and hearts are connected with God. It sort of makes sense when you think about it, isn't it? It's only God that can help us on that journey. It's only God that can teach us and help us to forgive. So it makes perfect sense that the place we start is when we're in prayer, when we're communion with him. And in Mark 11.25 we read, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father um, also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Well, then we have this third and final request, lead us not into temptation. You know, this is something within, uh, within, within churches and Christendom we speak about a lot, isn't it? This, this temptation, this slipping into sin, and the reality is it's a noose around the neck of believers. It really is. But we can't get away from it. We live in a fallen world, so there are going to be temptations around us all the, all the time. And they can lead us to sin and fall away uh, from walking intimately every day with God. Not salvation. Just God doesn't necessarily lead believers to sin. We do that on our own. Yeah, we, God has given us the freedom and the ability to have free will. And it's that free will and um, the temptations that are around us that can hold us back and hinder that relationship, that intimate relationship that we have with God. But one of the wonderful things about God is he is a faithful God. Where would we be if he wasn't? God is a faithful God and he promises to provide a way for believers out of temptation. He doesn't promise that he will, he will hold us away from or keep us away from temptation, but he promises that he will always give us an option out to take. And then we can read that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may, you may be able to endure it. Doesn't that bring us so much comfort? Problem is, in those moments, we've got to be wise enough to pause and take a breath and look for that escape route. Because it will be there. We've just got to be wise enough to pause, take a breath and look for it and then be bold enough to walk in it. In this request, there is an acknowledgement that 
something I think we know is true. There is acknowledgement that free will brings with it human weaknesses. So believers, or as believers, we should be praying to God to help and guide us through these moments. That's why prayer is so important every single moment of the day. Because you've only got to step out the doors and there are temptations all around you. Whether it's a new car, whether it's a new blouse in the window, whether, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether someone's taking, making a pass at you in a pub, well, it's all around you. So here we've just have a very, we've had a very quick overview of the themes contained within this prayer, which, as I said to you, is what I believe Jesus is teaching the themes. And actually this, this theme of how Jesus made up this prayer is a good theme for us to follow. It's not the only one, but it's a good theme for us to follow. The words may change, the prayers within the themes may change, but the approach to the prayer should remain founded upon similar theme as Jesus has established here. And there is one, and you put that, that hand, how many of you have, you have seen this before? Yeah, this is one back, you know, um, I don't even remember where I first saw this. But this, again, it's just a, you can see the same themes contained within this. This is something that quite often you, you, uh, you can use with children to help them remember a healthy theme to pray or when they approach prayer. For those who are uh, maybe new to faith and you're on this journey of learning what prayer is, it just gives you a good, um, a good way of grounding how that theme of prayer uh, or how we can approach that theme of prayer. Um, and quite simply, our thumb is praise. We saw that, didn't we? The first thing we do is we give God praise for who he is, for what he's done. We then are, give thanksgiving to God, you know, for whatever it is, for his goodness in our life, a prayer that was answered Whatever it may be, we're giving God the praise. It's all to him, nothing of us, it's to him. We then intercede. Again, this isn't necessarily about us on a personal level. We are coming before God once we've praised him, once we've given our thanksgiving to him. We then come before him with our prayers um, of intercession, like we did today. You know, Lord, pray for, I pray for the people who have suffered in the earthquake. Lord, I pray for the persecuted church. Lord, I pray for my neighbour who's going through this situation. Lord, I pray for my family member, my wife, my children. Whoever it is, we're lifting up those prayers of intercession to God. Then we come and we confess to God. Uh, very similar to what we do uh, before communion. We take that time out because sin in our life can hinder our relationship. So we come before God and we confess and we repent and we say, do you know what, Lord, I messed up. I've messed up today, but I know your grace is sufficient and I just help me in that area. 
You know, place people in my life that can help me in that area uh, to, to get through that. You know, don't help me to not be, be in situations where that temptation is going to be there. Yeah, God, God, isn't, God isn't, you know, he's not gonna, just going to zap and everything's done for you. There, there's this, there, there's, we've got to do our part, yeah? We've got to, if temptation, if you like chatting up ladies or men in the pub, what's going to happen if you go to the pub all the time? The temptation's real, right? So what do you do? You don't go to the pub. Yeah, you take yourself out of those situations. So it's not about God, it's not about you saying, do you know what, God, you know, I'm struggling with temptation of chatting to whoever. So when I go to the pub every night this week, just help me not to talk to someone in that, in that way. You know, God's going to be like, come on. Like you're putting yourself in that situation. But then lastly, petition. Come before him with your needs. Whatever that is. Lord, I'm struggling with sin. Lord, there's this job that I've applied for and I'm, you know, I just, I just want to lift it to you in prayer. You know, Lord, I've got a hospital appointment coming up and I just want to lift that to you in prayer. Whatever it is. But you can understand this is just another example of the themes that were laid out in this, uh, um, in, in, in what Jesus has, has put here. All right, I'm going to have to call the band up because, uh, yeah, let's call the band up. Time is running away with us today, isn't it? It's really funny, so our pastor, Tom, he would, often, he would often do this. He'd get so carried away in a preach that he would, he'd be like, oh, we'll have to cut this short and I'll pick it up next week. Um, I vowed I would never do that, but here we are. Here we are. Um, there is something I do want to pick up next week. So we can, next week we are going to continue with uh, the next phase of this, where Jesus uses a parable to continue teaching about this prayer. But I suppose what I really want you to take away today is that, first and foremost, prayer is an incredibly important aspect of the believer's life. It is a wonderful gift that we have all been given. Let's not abuse that. God wants to listen. God wants to hear. He, he knows your heart. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. But that doesn't stop him wanting to hear you say it. Because it shows a dependency. It shows an intimacy. It shows that you respect God. It shows that you need God. Yeah? He's not, he's not going to listen to your prayer and go, wow, I didn't know that. He knows your prayer. But he wants us to come before him. Like any, we would want any child to come to a father or a parent and just say, do you know what, I'm really struggling. You know. He wants that. He wants that intimacy. But as we've seen, this prayer that Jesus taught, this, um, this prayer that is 
focused upon primarily a corporate prayer setting, which we'll come on to next week, is a prayer that isn't focused upon, say, these individual words. It is a prayer that is focused upon, use this template, use this theme to come before the Lord, because it will always change. It will always change. Give us our, 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 you know, our bread. Yeah, of course, we might say, Lord, I need to fill, stop the cupboards, but there could be something else. You know, clutch went on that car, you know, last week. So our prayer was, Lord, <laughs> help us work through this clutch situation. You know, so the, the prayers themselves might change, but the theme remains. And that, I think, is what we need to carry with us. Use that template. If anyone wants that, the hands, you know, um, then just let me know and we'll, uh, we'll get that sent out to you. But Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, Lord. Um, Lord, I trust that though we, didn't, we weren't able to expand upon everything to do with this verse today, that we are able to not only be challenged, but to take away some truth of the passage itself and what you were teaching your disciples then and teaching our, and us today. So Lord, I pray that you bless us all as we head into this week. In Jesus' name, amen.